the Rural Health Voice, Episode 18, The U.S. Census. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. What can you do to make sure tax dollars and other resources are allocated to your community? Join my conversation with Dr. Kara Ongawele, Associate Director at the James Madison University Center for Civic Engagement. Welcome to the show, Dr. Whaley. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. And you can just call me Kara during the show. All righty, we can do that. So Kara, Virginia is very proud of its heritage, being the home of many of our nation's founding fathers. And with you being at James Madison University, what does the center do to support the legacy of James Madison? Well, actually, at James Madison University, we define civic engagement as advancing the legacy of James of the of James Madison, the father of the Constitution, and preparing individuals to be informed and responsible participants in representative democracy. So, our we at the Center for Civic Engagement are working to embed civic learning and democratic engagement throughout the campus experience. We're just two years old now, um, but we are working really hard and, and you know, making it part of not just cr- activities within curricula, things that you would learn in classrooms, but also in the co-curricular um, in, you know, from orientation to residence life. And more specifically, why is the center involved in the 2020 census? Well, the census is actually part of the Constitution. Uh, it's in Article, uh, it's in Article One, Section Two of the Constitution, um, and it is meant. The framers of the Constitution actually intended the census to be an important form of political empowerment of the people over government, and it was, you know, the idea was that the census would provide the data necessary to appoint represent representatives among the states of the House of Representatives, and to redistrict legislative districts. Um, So really, you know, at the heart of the census, you know, the the census is at the heart of our democracy um, because it's an important way by which we determine political representation. And something I don't think many people realize is that it is indeed part of the Constitution. It's not something the federal government does just because it feels like it. And not only is it required to be taken, but you're also required to respond. Isn't that part of our legal system is you're you're supposed to do this? Yes, it is part of your civic duty to respond to the census um, with as much information as you are able to give. Um, you know, that w- that's really part of your job, um, you know, as as a citizen in this country. Um, so and 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 even and as a resident in this country as well. Um, and I and I want to say that, you know, the when James Madison sort of looked back at the histories of democracies throughout time, you know, censuses really hadn't been um, uh, part of democratic governance, but it was really believed that having a census, having an accurate count, knowing some of the the demographics was what would help make democracy work. And so once all of this information is collected, what happens to it? Who gets access to it? Do, do I get to see your answers and you get to see my answers or how does that work? 
So it is collected by the Census Bureau, but all of the data is scrubbed. So it is not identified. Your data, your name is not matched with you whenever that information is given out, right? So we can know the, it's broken down by census tracts and we can have that demographic data. We can have some of the different categories within a census tract, but your your personal name and address is never identified with your data once it gets used by a whole range of other agencies in the federal government, but also used by the private sector as well. Census data is really important um, uh, for businesses and economic development. And let's talk about the importance of some of those groups, you know, for business or for economic development. You know, other than knowing how many people are aware what can they do with this information? How does it make a difference for them? In terms of how does it make a difference for businesses, for example, or? Sure. So, yeah. so, the, yeah. so, so the information we gather, okay, yes. so uh, other than knowing how many people are in my sense of tract or my county or my state, oh, right. other than head counting, how do we use this information? So there is there are so many different ways. Um, the Census Bureau actually has a tract that that shows at least fifty different ways, um, and I can probably talk about fifty just in terms of of health, the healthcare industry, and we can get to that. Um, but but generally speaking, um, a, you know, a lot of it is is used, um, including for the determining the distribution um, of federal funding um, and state funding um, for assessing the potential for the spread of. Of, of diseases and tracking diseases um, for understanding consumer needs in different census tracts, um, you know, for determining how to uh, develop rural areas. Um, it's used by planning for faith-based organizations. Um, it's used to plan new schools um, or to revitalize old ones. Um, it's used to attract new businesses to, to the state and to local areas, as well as for planning hospitals and health services and designing public safety strategies. Um, it, it can determine things, um, you know, like b where to build a new supermarket um, and by emergency responders to locate injured people after a, natu after a natural disaster. So, so lots of uses. <laughs> all, all sorts of all things sorts of other things. than just the number of bodies. Yes, correct. Absolutely. Yes. Now, you and I are members of a group referred to as the Virginia Complete Count Commission. What do you see as the role of the commissioners? Why does that group exist? So there, I think there's a number of roles for the Complete Count Commission. I think perhaps the most important is to be trustworthy communicators and facilitators to ensure a complete count in Virginia of every resident um, the and, and and therefore ensure fair political representation and fair distribution of resources um, I the 2020 census is facing a number of challenges that that you know well from from being part of the complete count commission but just briefly to talk about them this will be the first time that the census is primarily distributed online and that was to save resources um, uh, and and they are working very hard um, and and they are assuring us that that it will be you know the information will be kept safe um, you know despite it going online um, but 
as it's going online, those who don't have access, um, easy access to the internet, are going to be the communities um, where there's going to have to be more follow-up and more resources will be used to reach those. But, you know, again, those are usually the hardest to count communities anyway, and and moving online creates an additional barrier. So we want to be able to get out information and figure out ways that we can help in our communities, um, particularly in rural areas that don't have broadband access, um, ensuring that they could respond online as well. Um, and then not have to get a follow up, um, uh, person at their, at their door. Um, so, so that's one thing. Um, there's also, you know, some distrust about, you know, is my information safe if I enter it online? And so, you know, communicating, um, you know, that, that, that information is safe is, is part of our responsibility. Um, of course, the, the census has been deeply politicized by the potential for the inclusion of a question about whether or not residents at a particular site are citizens. Um, to be clear, the Census Bureau has other surveys. Um, I believe the American Community Survey, for example, the ACS, already includes a citizenship question. Um, but because of the particular climate and because of other politics going on at the national level, um, the potential for the citizenship question on the census um, has become deeply politicized. So many people might choose to opt out of the opt out of answering the census. So we really have to make the push that you know not to boycott the census if you disagree with what's happening politically on the one hand, um, and two to assure people who might be fearful about fearing filling out the census um, because they are not officially a citizen, um, you know, to, to try to help calm those fears, right? And and that is going to be, you know, a very challenging goal. Sure, because obviously, if, if you are here as a non-documented person, one of your concerns is anybody in the federal government finding out that you are indeed here. And so why would you fill that piece of paper or fill out that form online? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. But on, on the other hand, you know, I can I can see where it would be very helpful, you know, looking us looking at rural health issues. One of the things we need to know not only is how many people is a particular hospital or clinic need to serve, but what sorts of payment options do those people have? If you're here as an undocumented immigrant, you don't have access to Medicaid or Medicare. So that is going to change the dynamics of how a hospital or a free clinic or other provider is going to be able to provide service for you when you need it. So it's absolutely essential to have that type of information. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and then if you, as you just alluded to with, with, Medicare, um, you know, if you are a documented citizen, right, that it's really important to fill out the form because, um, you know, that that is one of the programs that, that benefits um, uh, from data from the census in terms of distributing funding. Because there's a lot of money at stake here. What are we talking about in terms of dollar signs? Well, there's there's been a couple of estimates. Um, I've seen an estimate about six six hundred and seventy five billion, but then the George Washington University Institute for Public Policy estimated that census numbers guide about eight hundred and eighty billion a year in federal funding. Um, that's just federal funding. 
At the state level, we've been hearing in the Complete Count Commission that not filling out the form, missing one person um, in in the head count would amount to $2,000 per year uh, in loss of funding um, or $20,000 for the duration until the next census would be taken. Um, so, So that will add up pretty substantially, um, you know, when we're thinking about 20000 per person every decade. Sure, because for every single service that person needs, if you don't know that person is there, the dollars won't follow. On the commission website, there's a countdown clock that says we are still 300 days away from the start of the census. Why are we talking about this already? It is going to be a massive educational endeavor, <laughs> um, you know, given given some of the political challenges that we face around this. Um, so I'm situated within higher education and, you know, we have to, and, and students are counted where they live most of the year, which would be at their colleges or universities. Um, And so colleges and universities have, in particular, a special responsibility to the communities in which we are embedded. And we are in a rural area here at JMU um, to ensure a complete count of our students. Um, So if we think about, you know, the number of students or the number of people within each of our areas trying to reach as many people as possible, um, you know, it, it's it's a full. It requires you know a full mobilization um, of of our efforts and working alongside community members to think about how we can ensure people understand you know that it's number one important to complete the census, um, to respond, to fill it out, to and to do it correctly, um, and you know and and as fully as one is possibly able to do it, um, and and you know we know from, for example, the Pew Survey Research Center um, that has. Uh, conducted research on this, that people who are more educated about the process, um, they're more comfortable with it, they're more likely to do it. Um, so we we have both motivational and technical barriers to overcome, especially as the census moves online this year. Sure, especially, again, in our rural communities, we've had entire podcast episodes dedicated to the fact that broadband access in our rural areas is is pretty tough. And so yes. if, if we're encouraging everybody to be online for this, but not everybody is online, then what do we do? Well, I think libraries in particular have an important role to play um, in this. And so we are including our local library in our effort here. Um, at JMU, we also have the Gus bus, which is um, a, a literacy bus. And I'm hoping that they will be a partner with us um, as, as we go around um, into the community. Um, you know, we don't want to just send any random people out, right, to educate on this. It, it ne- really needs to be people who, people who understand the process and who can be trusted leaders within their own communities. So training people um, who have access to different communities is, is also helpful. Um, but I think getting technology to those areas um, uh 
I, I know that, for example, I believe in Botetourt County, um, there is a bus now that um, is has wireless broadband for the next year, so students can work on homework on the way to school. Um, so thinking about things like that, that we might be able to partner with organizations who have the resources that can get out into rural areas is going to be really important. And we're just starting to really get a handle on what those resources are and how we can mobilize them. Um, if people are not able to get online, however, um, you know, everyone's going to get a postcard and there will also be a call-in number so people can call by phone. Um, and, and that's another way. And when there's no response, ultimately, um, census workers will go out into the field to follow up. But that takes that takes resources. <laughs> oh yes, time and money, absolutely. So time and money, and there's going to be jobs associated with this, aren't there? Yes, there are. Um, there there are a number of jobs already. Um, this is the largest mobilization um, during peacetime. Um, although I'm not sure we're actually, we're exactly in peacetime. <laughs> Um, but this is the largest peace, peacetime mobilization. Um, and and for, for those that are interested in a census job, they can go to the federal government, uh, to the Census Bureau's website, 2020census.gov slash jobs um, to, to find out what jobs are available. Great. Now, looking also at the local effort, one of the things on the Complete Count website is it talks about local com Complete Count committees. Who are they? What do they do? So the idea of a complete of a complete count committee locally is sort of to mirror what's happening at the state level on the commission that you and I are on, Beth, um, to bring in sort of different trusted leaders or representatives of different communities that can help communicate back and figure out um, ways to educate and, and mobilize their different constituencies. So here in the Shenandoah Valley, we will be hosting, we, we did a, a kickoff conversation on April 1st, which was uh, Census Awareness Day in the state of Virginia and nationally. And then on June 24th, we will be holding a census solution workshop that will convene leaders um, that will include uh, local government officials, members of different planning districts, faith-based leaders, um, uh, representatives from the Latinx community, from the healthcare industry. Um, hopefully the Chamber of Commerce will be joining us as well so that we can all come together and think about how do we reach out to the constituencies that we represent and, and get them involved in this effort. If other localities were interested in holding a similar workshop, are there resources available to them? There are. There is a toolkit that the census has put together, um, I believe, at 2020census.gov. and Or you could just Google um, Complete Count Committee Census Solutions Workshop, um, and, and you would be able to find how to put one together. So with that, you know, one of the things you talked about was representation and, you know, making sure that that all the constituencies, you know, have a voice. And I think one of the things that we need to also remember is that this is very important in our American political process. The the number of people that show up in the census then turns into the number of representatives each state has in the federal government. 
That's correct. Um, this is the means for determining political representation. That is, is, you know, foundational to, uh, to representative democracy. And so if we want to ensure fair allocation of seats, not just in Congress, but also how our state legislative districts are apportioned. It matters for that as well. So as we're th- as we're seeing shifts in demographics in the state, it's particularly important for the rural communities um, to have a full count, a full head count, so that they're you know that that they don't lose out on political representation at the state level. Sure. So the census. You know, you get counted to make sure your vote counts, make sure your tax dollars count in your community, pretty much make sure that everything involved in our lives makes a difference. Yes. And it's it's making a difference, but then there's so many things so many other things that also come from that census data. So right now we're, you know, there's a lot of information out there about why the census is important. Um and, and in terms of, you know, making sure that we complete it fully. And that's because a lot of the underlying demographic data is also used for understanding um and uh, building on research. So uh, the census data is used at the heart of a lot of research in this country, um, you know, including including about politics and political representation, um, but also for, you know, understanding things like health equity um, and and understanding, you know, what what are the social determinants of health, for example. Um, so it's it's going to affect a whole, you know, if we don't have an accurate population count. Um, and if we don't have a- accurate demographic data, it's going to affect research for the next decade, um, which then helps us, um, you know, the research that helps us better understand what is happening in this country um, and how we can better serve our, our communities. So if someone was concerned um, about their community, wanted to make sure that everybody in their community was counted. What could they do? What steps could they take? Well, I, it depends on um, where they are situated in their communities. I would say, um, you know, one of the easiest ways to reach out in your community would be through your church or your faith-based organization. Um, you know, there's probably many people at your church that you could reach, ask um, your pastor um, or, or whoever is the head of your church if if there's a possibility to make an announcement, um, to go to your local board of supervisors or to your local city council. Many city councils in Virginia have passed proclamations, but encouraging them not just to declare that it's important, but actually to follow up um, and ensure that people within communities are, you know, have a good understanding of the need to completely fill out the census or as much as possible. Um, I would also say, you know, any other sort of member or volunteer organizations to which people are part of, reach out to them. And then to your own healthcare providers, if you have a doctor's visit, why not ask if you could put up a sign um, if they'd be willing to post something in their office leading up to the census, reminding people why the census is is important and to fill it out. And from the James Madison Center for Civic Engagement, what do you think is the most important thing we could do to improve health and healthcare in rural America? Oh, <laughs> it's a big question. That is a big question. Um, 
so I think what we are, we at, at James Madison University, we are bringing together um, through our health policy initiative, um, a cross-disciplinary approach that includes majors from business to social work to public policy and administration to think about how we look at health challenges from multiple dimensions and get different perspectives together to better understand the underlying issues. Um, it's, it's our belief that we should do a better job of listening um, and going out into communities to find out what needs are and that community needs should better inform policies that are created. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Whaley. Thank you so much for having me today. That's Dr. Kara Ong-Whaley from James Madison University reminding all of us that undercounted is underfunded, underrepresented, and underresourced. The 2020 census is your opportunity to make sure everyone counts. Check out the show notes for links to the Virginia Complete Count Commission and other resources. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, Make sure you are receiving the Virginia Rural Health Association's weekly electronic newsletter. All you have to do is join. Visit us at vrha.org and click the membership tab. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the Virginia State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.